Okay, we're back. So we're going to be talking about the uh, Johnny Depp trial. We're going to be talking about the cops who uh, went over there to see if Amber Heard had any scratches. And we're going to talk about Amber Heard's uh, mental health evaluation. Let's get into it. Our talk radio, live in 4K. Tried to listen for any kind of sounds of domestic violence. We took the hallways. We didn't observe anyone. Went out to the courtyard. Didn't observe anyone. And based on what I was just reminded of, there was a woman in the gym who didn't seem involved. Was working out. Looked fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. And then we responded to a door in the hallway. And... I knocked and was met by a male. Okay. Up until that point of time, from exiting the elevator to knocking on that door, did you see anything that indicated a crime? I did not. Up until the point where you knocked on that door, um, did you see, see or hear or witness anything indicating that there had been a domestic violence perpetrator? I did not. Up until you knocked on that door, did you see anything uh, which you would have considered out of the ordinary? I did not. And I guess what I'm asking is, walking from the elevator to the gym and then to the door that you knocked on, um, was that was that we were in the hall room? Yes, I was in the hallway. Okay. And during that time period from exiting the elevator through to knocking on the door, um, was there anything in the hallway that was unusual to you? Not that I observed, no. Did you see any uh, stains on the floor? Not that I recall. Did you see any uh, vandalism in that area? No, I did not. Did you see uh, any broken glass in that area? I did not. Okay. And upon knocking on the door, what happened next? A male opened the door. I don't remember the exact questions and conversation we had, but I remember asking if they called for help and he said that it was the neighbor and that she was inside of his house apartment with his girlfriend and i asked him if they could step out and he told me to wait and he shut the door and we waited uh we waited for them to exit i don't remember how much time passed by and they came out and that's when we were met with his girlfriend and who I know now is Miss Heard uh, in the hallway. And up until that point in time, did you hear anything that led you to believe that a crime had been committed? I did not. Up until that point in time, did you see anything that made you believe that a crime had been committed? I did not. 
Hold on a minute. All right, go. And how in the hallway, how far were you standing from the curb? Uh, it was close, probably like two to five feet. And at that time, did you notice any injuries on this hurt? I did not. Okay. Uh, were you looking to see if she had any injuries at that time? Yes, I was. And um, so you were looking to see if Ms. Hurt had any injuries and you determined that she did not. Is that accurate? Correct. And was the lighting good enough in the hallway for you to make that determination? Yes, the hallways was well lit. And at the time, were you wearing any sort of corrective lenses? I was not. Uh, although you were not wearing corrective lenses, were you prescribed corrective lenses at the time? No, I have never worn glasses. I'm not prescribed. I have good vision. And at that time, uh, did you have good vision? Yes, I did. At the time you were uh, observing Ms. Hurd, uh, did you have good vision? Yes, I did. And did you observe any injuries at that time? I did not. What did you ask Ms. Hurd at that time, if anything? I don't have an independent recollection. Again, it's been so long. I. I don't remember specific questions. Okay. Now, let me just back up a little bit. Um, during the time period when we left the elevator and uh, when Ms. Hurd came onto the hallway, at any time did the generic white male tell you that there had been an act of domestic violence? No, he did not. Did he tell you anything that made you think there may have, may have been an act of domestic violence? No, he did not. Did he tell you anything that made you believe that, that uh, a crime may have been committed? No, he did not. 
he did not. And during that time period, did you ask him um, what had happened or what was happening? Yes, I did ask him, and he just refused to give me any information. Okay, so now fast forward to what we were talking about with respect to uh, you in the hallway with a generic white male in this herd and the generic white male girlfriend. Um, after we observed her and saw no sign of injury, what did you do next? I advised her that we would be conducting a protective sweep just to make sure that there was no one else in the house. And she agreed if her neighbor, the male, could accompany us with the protective suite. Okay. Up until that point in time, uh, did you ask Ms. Heard what happened? Yes, I did. And what was her response? No response. She was uncooperative. And a doctor signed at that time was Ms. Heard cooperative? Ms. Heard was uncooperative. And by uncooperative, does that mean that when you asked her a question, she wouldn't say a word? She'd say something that made you think she was not cooperating. She wouldn't say anything. But just to be clear, you would ask questions and she wouldn't say anything. Correct. And what did you do at that point? After the protective sweep, I asked her again if she wanted to talk to me, if anything happened. Again, I don't remember the specific questions that I asked her, but I asked her questions to establish if there was some sort of crime, who was involved, and again, she wouldn't give me any information. I asked, I attempted to ask her friend, uh, the other in the room. I even asked the males to wait in the hallway so it could just be us women in there so we could talk privately. Maybe she felt more comfortable that way. Still, they denied that there was any crime. They wouldn't answer any specific questions. So I wrote a business card. I advised her she changed her mind that she could call us at any time and we would respond to help her out. So backing up a bit to the time you're in the hallway with the three of them and you testified that Ms. Heard was uncooperative um, and then you indicated you did a sweep. I want to start with from the point of time in the hallway where she was uncooperative trans transitioning to the sweep. How did that occur? Did you ask her if you could look at in the penthouse? How, how did this? How did you go from standing in the hallway to conducting a sweep? I I don't recall. Now, before you before you swept the penthouses, um, did you ask if you could enter the penthouse? Yes, I did. Okay. And who? And what was the response? I, I can't remember if she gave me a response or nodded her head. I, I can't remember. From what you observed or heard from this herd, uh, you took it that she was permitting you 
to enter the penthouses and look around. Is that accurate? Right. Okay. Um, was there more than one penthouse? There was, yes, there was two. Okay. And this term sweep we've been using, is that a technical police officer term? Yes. What do you mean by conducting a sweep? It's called a protective sweep, and we do so to make sure that there's no other individuals that may be victims that are hurt inside of the location or suspects hiding, concealing themselves from officers uh, that would attack the victim after we left the location. So we go in to verify that any potential suspects are gone from the location for the victim's safety. Thank you. And we conducted a protective sweep of two penthouses, correct? Correct. What was your understanding of who owned or lived in the first penthouse that you performed a protective sweep on? It was my understanding that Amber heard that it was her home. Again, the, the gentleman directed us. That's why he came with us. So we wouldn't get lost. I, I see. And during your protective sweep during the first pen of the first penthouse, um, did anybody accompany you during the entire sweep? Yes, the male, the only male that was there besides my partner. Okay. And your partner conducted the sweep with you? Correct. Okay. And as to the protective sweep of the first penthouse, did you, um, go into every room of the penthouse? To my knowledge, yes. And was your knowledge based on uh, the generic white male leading you around? Correct. Was it your understanding that, that you, that your protective sweep um, included you looking in every room in the penthouse? Correct. During the protective sweep of the first penthouse, um, did you anything that led you to believe that a crime had been committed? I did not. During the protective sweep of the first penthouse, did you hear anything that made you think a crime had been committed? I did not. During the first protective sweep, did you see anything that made you think that an act of domestic violence had occurred? I did not. During the protective sweep of the first penthouse, did you um, hear or see anything, I'm sorry, did you hear or see anything that made you believe an act of domestic violence had occurred? I did not. Okay. Upon your completion of the sweep, protective sweep of the first penthouse, up until that point in time, um, from you exiting the elevator up until that point in time, did you hear or see anything that made you believe that a crime had been committed? I did not. Up until that point in time, did you hear or see anything that made you think an act of domestic violence had occurred? I did not. Now, I want to ask you, you testified that, um, you testified to you, um, viewing Ms. Heard and not seeing any signs of injury. Did you view her again after that first viewing? During the interviews and throughout the entire investigation, I'm constantly 
scanning her and watching. So I, if I see any other observations that would indicate any injury or domestic violence. Well, did you see anything like that? I didn't see anything. And you didn't see, did you see anything like that during the entire, during the entire time period that you were on that call? And do you believe that you um, had enough time viewing Ms. Heard to determine whether or not she had sustained any injury? Yes, I do. And, you deter and did you determine that she sustained any injury? I determined that she did not sustain any injuries. So other than the conversation you had with her in the hallway when you first got there, did you have any other conversations with Ms. Heard? I did. Inside of the inside of the lost or penthouse, sorry. Okay. Was that before or after the protective police? I believe both before and after. I attempted. Okay. How many conversations, separate conversations did you have with Ms. Hurd? I, I don't recall. Okay. There was at least the one in the hallway. And there was one um, before or after the protective suite, correct? I'm sorry, Ms. Financial. Correct. Okay. And during the second conversation you had with her, after the one in the hallway, how close were you to her? The same two to five feet. She was right in front of me. Would you move close enough to get a good view uh, to determine whether or not she had any injuries? Yes, I was. And during that second conversation, did you determine whether or not she had any injuries? I determined that she did not have any injuries. At any point in time, during the protective group of the penthouse, did you see anything in disarray? I did not. So the Amber Heard wastes everybody's time calling the cops, have no injuries. This woman's a psychopath. I'm hearing nothing about injuries from Amber Heard. House is not in disarray. When you're having a fight, things get torn up, things go flying. Wow. And the sad thing is I've read articles on this and people are still trying to defend Amber Heard. It is so sad. People are still trying to defend Amber Heard. And it shows that men really don't have a voice. You, As men, we have to be careful who we choose as mates, who we choose to marry, who we choose to have kids with. Because in the end, men really don't have a voice if things go left. You have to record and you have to surveillance cameras in your home. Make sure they're hidden so nobody knows but you knows where those cameras at in case you need to go to court. You indicated, let me ask you, did you do a protective sweep of the second penthouse? Yes, I did. Did uh, the generic white male accompany you, accompany you on that sweep as well? Yes, he did. What was your understanding of who owned or resided in that second penthouse? I had no idea. Okay. Um, did you, during that second protective sleep, did you 
walks through every room in that penthouse. From my understanding, yes, we did. Okay. And during that second protective sleep, did you see anything that you would say was in disarray? I did not. During that second protective sleep, did you see anything that made you believe there had been a crime committed? I did not. During that second protective sleep, did you hear anything that made you think a crime had been committed? I did not. During your protective sleep of the second penthouse, did you see anything that made you believe an act of domestic violence had occurred? I did not. During the protective sleep of the second, second penthouse, did you hear or see anything that made you believe um, a crime had been committed? I did not. After you performed the second protective, I'm sorry, after you performed the protective suite of the second penthouse, what did you do? I re-responded to where Amber Heard was. And I again tried to see if I could get any information from her. I was unsuccessful. And then I issued her the business card and let her know that she could call us back if she wanted to talk. Did she answer any of your questions? No, she did not. At any point in time during the entirety of the incident, did Ms. Hurd answer any of your questions? No, she did not. During the entire time of the incident, did Ms. Hurd complain of any injury? No, she did not. During the entirety of your time at the incident, did anybody say anything that made you believe a crime had been committed? No, they did not. During the entirety of the time you were at the incident, did anybody say anything that made you believe an act of, an act of domestic violence had occurred? No, they did not. Okay. During the entirety of your time at the incident, did you see anything that made you believe a crime had occurred? I did not. During the, during the entirety of your time at the incident, did you hear anything that made you believe a crime had been committed? I did not. During the entirety of your time at the incident, did you hear or see anything that made you believe an act of, an act of domestic violence had occurred? I did not. Had you heard of anybody by the name of Miss Heard at that time? Never. Never heard? No, I have never heard of Amber Heard before that time. Okay. okay. recognize any of the people that you encountered uh, during the incident? I did not. At the time of the incident, did you have any reason to believe that anybody you encountered at the incident uh, was famous? I did not. What does that have to do with the case? So what she recognized Johnny Depp was famous? So what if she re recognized Amber Heard is famous? Did Amber Heard have any marks proving that she was a victim of domestic violence? Yes or no? 
I wonder if these lawyers feel embarrassed to defend Amber Heard. I wonder if they do it because they really have to try hard and have a reach when it comes to these questions. And during the entire time that you were at the penthouses during the incident, um, did you have any reason to believe that Mr. Depp was affiliated uh, or involved in the incident? I did not. Uh, Madam Reporter, can you uh, repeat my last question? I lost uh, where it was. Question, during the entire time you were at the penthouses during the incident, did you witness any bruises on this herd? And there was not a response. I did not observe any injuries on this herd. Okay. Did you observe any swelling on this herd's face? I did not. Did you observe anything that led you to believe that she was a victim of domestic violence? Yes, I did not. Well, these questions are repetitive as hell. <sighs> wow. Must have been like nails drawing, uh, nails just going on a chalkboard, just hearing the same question over and over again. I am definitely going into her psychological history. I am definitely going in on that. Okay, so basically, the cops were called, and no marks, nothing. Wasted the cops' time. I feel bad for Johnny, but at the same time, we got we got men have us men have to choose better because we will end up like this. We will end up in these court cases like this. It is crazy. All right, on to her mental health. Let's get on to our mental health. Amber Heard. Okay, let's get into it. and indicated um, that she might be interested in having me meet the legal team so that I could discuss my expertise and possibly provide my opinions related to the matter. What were you asked to provide uh, expert opinion on? So initially, uh, my role that I understood at the time was to review the case materials and um, provide my opinions regarding anything that I noticed that was consistent or even inconsistent with the psychological science um, that exists today on intimate partner violence in Mr. Depp and Ms. Hurd's relationship. Well, all right, you used a phrase there, uh, intimate partner violence. What are you talking about? 
So there are a multitude of different definitions depending on the source or the state, uh, but essentially intimate partner violence is abuse. It could be physical, psychological, uh, and it's from one partner to another in an intimate relationship. Um, did your role in this case evolve over time? Yes, uh, it shifted. So I was retained uh, in at the end of January 2021, and then uh, had just barely begun to review the documents. The case was postponed, and then in October 2021, um, I was... Just in case, fair use, fair use asked uh, by counsel to provide a psychological evaluation of Ms. Heard. Okay. Did, uh, were you ever asked to do an, a psycholo psychological evaluation of Mr. Depp? No. Okay. Uh, what types of documents did you consider in this analysis? So I reviewed uh, quite a few documents as part of my evaluation. That included um, all of the case documents, Ms. Hurd's uh, medical records by Dr. Kipper, her prior mental health treatment records. I believe I reviewed records from uh, Dr. Amy Banks, Dr. Bonnie Jacobs, Dr. Cohen, Connell Cohen, um, uh, and also a significant portion of my review involved uh, notes from nurse Erin Vladi at the time, Erin Borum, who spent a significant time with Ms. Hurd in her direct company. I also reviewed exhibits, um, quite a few audio recordings, a video recording, several video recordings or possibly photographs. I might be getting them confused um, and multiple witness statements, testimony and um, declarations. Did there come a time when you met directly with Ms. Hurd? Yes, I did. So in conducting my evaluation, I met with Ms. Hurd on two separate dates, December 10th and December 17th, 2021. Uh, approximately how much time have you spent with Ms. Hurd? So the evaluation, uh, we spent 12 hours directly with one another. Um, however, there were more, there were more hours involved in the evaluation with some breaks. So we spent seven hours together on the first day, December 10th. Um, not necessarily together because there was a one hour lunch break and about a half hour with breaks split up through the day. And then on the 17th, we spent a little more than eight hours in the evaluation from start to finish with a one hour break and another half hour of breaks distributed throughout the day. As, the, as a result of the work that you performed, did you form any opinions with respect to Ms. Hurd? I did. What were those opinions? I, uh, the results of Ms. Hurd's evaluation supported two diagnoses, borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. What is a diagnosis? A diagnosis is a way that we essentially, that psychologists, psychiatrists, anybody in the mental health field thinks about a disorder. It helps us to communicate a set of symptoms that a person is experiencing. And along with that set of symptoms, it, it tells other professionals a lot about how those symptoms might have developed, how that person might behave, perceive the world. Um, it also drives treatment. The real purpose is to determine what sort of interventions will be most effective for the person. Yeah. Um, 
previously you made reference to, uh, I think you called it the DSM-5. What's yes. that? So the DSM-5, that stands for the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, uh, version 5. And uh, that contains every diagnosis we use in mental health. And uh, we it's, it's the authoritative manual of mental diagnoses. Is uh, performing diagnoses something you typically do in your line of work? Yes. Thank you. Um, so you, you referenced uh, two personality disorders. What's a personality disorder? To understand a personality disorder, I think it can be helpful first to kind of define personality. So personality, something we take for granted, but these are the traits, the characteristics, the way we think, we feel, and we act that make us who we are. And these traits are pretty stable over time and across situations. We might, uh, you know, be sure to mind our P's and Q's when we're meeting somebody new. But overall, if somebody were to describe us or if we were to describe ourselves, we have a pretty good sense of who we are. Um, sometimes an easy way to think of it is imagining how you might describe a brother or sister or a child if you have children. Their personalities are pretty clear to you. A personality disorder is some sort of dysfunction in those enduring traits. So as opposed to other types of mental illness, um, when you think about something like depression, that's episodic. It comes and it goes. And when it's treated with medication, it can pretty much be completely mitigated or minimized in a person's life and their personality is still there separate from the depression. When we have a personality disorder, there are going to be disturbances in several different areas that are visible in almost all different facets of their life. Is there a psychologist, Dr. Shannon Curry, testifying that uh, she evaluated Amber Heard and that uh, in her expert opinion, she believes she has a borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder more for testimony when we return. In a treating environment, a treating psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist simply does a diagnostic interview, which involves assessing multiple areas of a person's history back down through childhood. I'm going to stop you for a second. Yes. What's a treating environment? Oh, sometimes I'll slip into these words. I apologize. So a treating environment in therapy, if somebody is going in for treatment, um, the, the mental health provider will ask them questions to find out what sort of symptoms they've experienced and what sort of things have occurred in their life that might be consistent with these disorders or rule out these disorders, prove that there's no reason for these disorders to be considered. They might also pay attention to their observations of the client over time and new information the client provides them. The most reliable way, however, to ever come about a diagnosis really is through a comprehensive psychological assessment. And I might use the words assessment, examination, testing interchangeably. They all mean the same thing. It's combining information from multiple different sources. Um, one main source is psychological testing using validated objective measures. That means that they've been tested, they've been shown to be accurate for testing what you want to test and in the environment you're testing. 
testing. So there are measures specific for court environments where someone might respond differently. You integrate that with the same interview I was telling you that people would do for therapy. We do that as well. And then in a courtroom setting, you're gonna look at all the legal records, all of those documents, corroborating information to sort of check your hypotheses that may be developing and also check against the examinee's statements to confirm whether you have enough evidence of a certain diagnosis. So what's a clinical interview? A clinical interview is a very comprehensive interview. It includes a person's entire life history, um, as well as very specifically looks at any symptoms they might have. This can start as far back as birth. You might find out if there were any issues with their delivery, um, any uh, genetic issues, any intellectual issues. How did they do? What was their home life like? How was discipline handled? Their siblings, how many times did they have to move? Or was there any abuse? Did they have any really significant life experiences that come to mind when they think about their childhood? How well, Amber was a lesbian before she got with Johnny Depp. And um, I'm thinking there was trauma there. And she took it out on Depp. You know, um, she didn't, I don't think she liked being with a man. I don't think she did. She liked him for his money, but some things she just couldn't deal with being with a man. That's what I think. There's some deep trauma with that woman. And she's willing to destroy a man for over nothing. Over nothing. There's something deeply wrong with Amber Heard. To go to these type of links, something's definitely wrong with her. There was red flags and Johnny probably couldn't even see it. And he stood there so long because he's been traumatized himself. Sad, sad state of affairs. How were they as a student? Did they need special services? Did they get in trouble at school? And you do this, you continue on high school. What were their hobbies? Did they play sports? How many friends did they have? Did they have any trouble keeping those friendships? Then you get into adulthood. Did they go to college? Did they not go to college? How come? What sort of jobs have they held? How did those jobs go? How did they end? That's always an important question. What sort of romantic relationships have they been involved in? How do they identify sexually, culturally? Um, let's see, what else? What sort of symptoms have they experienced? Um, you go through the entire gamut of some of the main symptoms. You might screen for depression, um, any disorganized thinking. That means thinking that isn't necessarily in touch with reality. And uh, any current distress they may be having, have, having today. How did you conclude that Ms. Heard suffers from the personality disorders that you identified? So uh, there was information that supported it from multiple sources. Um, I conducted testing, including um, one of the main tests that I used. Uh, she obtained scores that were consistent with those diagnoses. And then I also, um, there was evidence of those diagnoses in her records and in her self-report. Okay. All right, Council, why don't we just go ahead and pause for a second while we go ahead and take our morning recess. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go ahead and take our 15-minute morning recess. Do not discuss the case and do not do any outside research, okay? Okay, that's the mid-morning break. The Fidale's with us. He's in New York City. Um, Eric, this is, uh, oof, now you're getting into a basic accusation from the depth team through this professional that... Um, Amber Heard is not is is off. She's off and 
and and you need to know that jurors for people that are at home thinking wait this is is this fair is this uh what about uh some sort of privilege if uh, how can how can um this doctor talk about this in in, in open court on uh, television etc um this is all before we go into that i'd like to address um some facts about uh Miss um, Shannon J. Curry, who just gave her testimony on what the evaluation of Amber Heard. I'm going to read her credentials. Okay, let me just start off. Let me see. Uh, let's go. Okay, her credentials. Dr. Curry earned her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology at Pepperdine University. She also holds a postdoctoral master of science degree in clinical pharmacology from Alien University, making her one of the handful of psychologists nationwide with eligibility for prospective authority in military jurisdictions. She completed a doctoral internship in psychology, <clears throat> excuse me, at Tripler Army Medical Center, an American Psychological Association, APA, accredited training site where she was one of only two civilian interns admitted to otherwise all military cohort under the purview of the Department of Defense, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, and National Center of PTSD, Dr. Curry received intensive and unparalleled training in combat psychology, trauma, and assessment and treatment of PTSD. Dr. Curry further her specialization in trauma forensic psychology with a two-year postdoctoral residency at Hawaii State Hospital. While there, she served as co-chair of the hospital's board for trauma-informed care and led hospital transition to trauma-informed, reduced restraint model of care. Okay, so this woman is not somebody who's, like, not qualified to do what she does, all right? She is not a uh, a person that is, you know, some hack, all right, as what's portrayed in Yahoo and other... Um, Articles, um, other uh, article sites, news article sites saying that, oh, you know, the assessment of Amber Heard has to be debunked. It has to be thrown out. It can't be taken seriously. It, it's very scary reading those articles because it's just showing that women have all must have all the power, even if they are guilty. They must hold all the power. They are always innocent, no matter what, no matter if they are the perpetrator of domestic violence you know, women are good, men are bad, men are always violent, women are always the victim. That is extremely scary, all right? It's just, uh, it's just really much, pretty, it pretty much is a, a frightening reality we live in today, especially as men. Let me read something else, okay? Um, as a director, this is uh, Dr. Curry. As a director of the Curry Psychology Group, Dr. Curry helps military and civilian clients transform their relationships, overcome grief and trauma, and achieve overall life improvement. She is committed to the social justice work and serves as an advisory board of the, for the University of California Center of Uncontroversial Security Affairs, engaging in research and programming to address global issues of poverty, wealth, warfare, violence, and sustainability. Her own research on cultural responsive trauma therapy in international communities has received awards from the American Psychological Association and Psychologically Beyond Borders. Okay. 
Dr. Curry serves as a psychologist expert and independent forensic evaluator for state courts, law enforcement agencies, and U.S. military and private attorneys. She enjoys utilizing her psychological expertise to provide clear, accurate, and well-researched opinions in both civil and criminal matters. Dr. Curry is certified forensic examiner for the Hawaii Department of Courts and Corrections and a registered psychological evaluator for California courts and law enforcement agencies. This is a woman who is pretty much equipped to give Amber Heard a psychological evaluation. Contrary to, you know, woke liberal media. Fair game, is it not, in a civil case? It's certainly fair game. I'm not sure how relevant it is, though. You know, the, the issue here, the only issue here, is whether Amber Heard defamed Johnny Depp when she declared in a, in a Washington Post op-ed that she was a victim of domestic violence or a survivor of domestic violence. It seems like Depp's strategy so far, and I've been watching this trial, it seems like the strategy so far is really just to, to paint Amber Heard very poorly, and I think he's done an excellent job. I think his team has done a fantastic job so far uh, of making Amber Heard look like the villain in this case but again even if he succeeds in making it seem as if amber heard was the villain in their relationship and was in part at least an abuser in the relationship johnny depp still needs to prove that amber heard's statements were false and were defamatory so even if amber heard looks terrible throughout this trial but when amber heard gets on the stand she can show that johnny depp at least committed one act of domestic violence Amber Heard's going to win the trial. So I think Johnny Depp needs to pivot a bit. Not What act of domestic violence did Johnny Depp create? Look, Amber Heard looked terrible, which he's done a good job at so far, but also showed that he is an innocent party here because that's ultimately what, what the case is going to come down to. Is this testimony risky in that it could come across as mean-spirited uh, to somebody on that jury or somebody... Mean-spirited? Are we in preschool? Are we in preschool? Mean-spirited? What did she do to this man? What did she do to this man? You lied on him. You severed one of a piece of his finger. He had to get it reattached. You hit this man. You took a dump in his bed. You slept with Elon Musk and James Franco behind his back. Come on now. Well, this is how is this relevant? Um, um, histrionic personality disorder, to your point, um, it's it's moving a, the ball a little bit away, but creating and continuing this narrative. Hold on a minute. Let's go into historic personality disorder. Okay, let's 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 read this. Historic personality disorder often coexists alongside another type of mental health condition like anxiety. People with this disorder can be very successful, but left untreated, the disorder can have a negative impact on your life. See your doctor if you notice symptoms of historic personality disorder, including excessive attention-seeking, engaging in inappropriate behaviors to gain praise or approval, acting out in order to always be the center of attention, feeling uncomfortable or out of place when not the center of attention, engaging in inappropriate behaviors to gain praise or approval. Well, um, how about that time when Johnny tried to get away from arguing with her and she stood in front of the vehicle that Johnny was in and he's trying to drive away. Okay. Being easily influenced by others, believing that relationships are closer or more intimate than they actually are dressing provocatively or in an inappropriate sexy way, using one's looks or physical appearance to gain attention Radically, rapidly shifting emotional states centered on how 
events affect them. Historical personality disorder is not caused by one particular event or experience. A number of different risk factors can increase risk of developing disorders, such as being rewarded for attention-seeking behavior as a child, a family history of personality disorders, anxiety, or depression, learning behaviors from a parent or caregiver with histrionic personality disorder, lack of criticism or punishment as a child, unpredictable attention from your parents, previously experiencing anxiety and depression, a genetic susceptibility to personality disorders. Histrionic personality disorder is treatable if often becomes apparent alongside other disorders like anxiety or depression. Your doctor can perform tests to determine if you have this disorder and what the treatment is right for you. Medication, there is no medication or to cure hysteria personality disorder. However, antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, and other medications can help treat your symptoms of hysteria personality disorder. Therapy is very effective in treating this disorder. Psychodamic therapy, talk therapy, behavioral therapy, and other types of therapy can help you learn how to gain control over your disorder. Learning more about hysteria personality disorder can help you understand your triggers and explain your condition to your family and friends. Mm. Right. Look, I think she's crazy, man. I'm sorry. The, the way she's acting, it, it's more than that. That Johnny was dealing with someone who was out of control. And um, could it backfire, I guess, is my question. It, it certainly could. But I think you really have to ask the question is, what's the goal? Really, what is the goal of Johnny Depp in this trial? Is it really to win the $50 million of, of, of defamation damages? Or is it really to get back the public on his side? Because I think he's done a fantastic job of the latter so far. I think with his testimony, the way he came off, the way the witnesses have presented Johnny Depp's case, the way their relationship has been sort of played out in the public eye, I think Johnny Depp's done a fantastic job of winning back you know, the, in the court of public opinion. And that may be the ultimate goal here, right? It may not be necessarily that he needs to win this $50, def- or this $50 million defamation lawsuit. It may just be to re- No, he needs to win this. He needs to get a W. He needs a W. It don't matter. He needs that W, okay? He has, it, the win is important. The win is important. He needs this. That way he could get his life back, you know? As men, you don't, you don't, oh, it's like, no, you need to win this because this is his life here. This is his livelihood here. This is his kids he wants. He's fighting for the respect of his kids, not just his fans, the respect of his kids, because she labeled him as a woman beater. And many of you know as men that it's very hard to rub off false allegations, even if you won, because there's some people who still have drinking that simp juice White Knight, you know, got to be the bastion of beta male city to try to defend a woman who doesn't, who's not worth defending. And they will have them out here trying to defend Amber Heard, all because she looks good. You'll have those simp incels out there. Yes, I have talked to them. It is disgusting just looking at their comments online regain his image in the public eye so that he can continue his career. So looking at it through that lens, 
I don't think there's much of a backfire in, in showing, you know, and uh, calling a, a, a psychiatrist and discussing perhaps, you know, Miss Hurd's um, mental disorders or personality disorders. So I, I don't think it's going to backfire too much. Again, I don't think it's very relevant to the actual uh, allegations in the trial. I certainly think it's relevant to what appears to be Johnny Depp's overall goal and really winning. He has to win this. He has to win this. There is no, you know, there's no way around this. None at all. Hold on one second. One second. He puts the camera over in that direction. Some of the items, the statements that are presented that are more um, clearly symptom-based and I always follow up with the examinee. Some of these might have to do with suicide. Some of them might have to do with others. Okay, this is part two, fair use, getting into her abusive tactics of Amber Heard. Let's get into it. Symptoms that you just like to get a little bit more information on because sometimes an examinee might tell you they're completely fine when you're doing your interview with them and that they have no symptoms. And then when they take the test, it says that they're having trouble sleeping or they struggle with nausea all the time or they feel very anxious. And so you, you want to follow up on that. Okay. Uh, what's a code type? A code type. Let me uh, think of how to explain this very, very simply. So the main scales, and I keep referring to scales, these are just... Uh, the main scores that come up on this test, we um, can refer to them as codes. And when I was saying that Ms. Hurd's scores could be compared to certain groups of people that had been researched before to obtain similar scores, the research has shown that certain people will have certain scores that kind of spike on this, okay? And so all of those traits that I were described was describing, those are traits that are found in these code types. So it means that number two, score number two was high and score number six was high. And so if we have those two scores were both high, then that's a two, six code type. And what these code, code types- type, What code type was Ms. Heard? Ms. Heard had the clearest code type was three, six, but then she also had some other code types that were less significant. What characteristics are associated with a three, six code type? So a three, six code type, a lot of that anger is expressed in this code type. Um, there can be actually a lot of cruelty, uh, usually with people who are less powerful. Uh, actually, when you see this code type, you want to, if you can, to follow up with subordinates, co-workers, people who may have observed their behavior more closely. The three, six code type is very concerned with their image, um, very attention-seeking, so she said, like, people who are less powerful, they could be extremely cruel. And Johnny Depp is a lot more famous than Amber Heard. I don't know about you, but I I just heard about Amber Heard when it came to this uh, drama that was going on with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, it, it seems like the Jada Pickett Will Smith scenario all over again. I really do believe that. And it's scary how she's jealous of him. I really do think that way. She's jealous of him. It's kind of like Aisha Curry's jealous of Steve Curry. I'm like, seriously? How are you? Whatever.
very prone to externalizing blame to a point where uh, it's unclear whether they can even admit to themselves that they do have responsibility in certain areas. A lot of suppressed and denied anger, but the anger is very present, will explode out and a lot of issues in their close relationships. How does Ms. Hurt's code type uh, fit in with your overall opinion as to personality disorders? Well, um, this might be an appropriate time to describe a little bit about these personality disorders because I think what you'll hear is that there's a lot of consistency there. Um, so borderline personality disorder is a disorder of stability. It's instability, and it's instability in personal relationships. It's instability in their emotions. It's instability in their behavior, and it's instability in their sense of self and their identity. And that instability is really driven by this underlying terror of abandonment. So one of the key features also of this disorder, and you, you, All of it is like pistons of an engine kind of firing off and igniting one another. But when somebody is afraid of being abandoned by their partner or by anybody else in their environment and they have this disorder, they'll make desperate attempts to prevent that from happening. And those desperate attempts could be physical aggression, it could be threatening, it could be harming themselves. But these are behaviors that are usually very extreme and very concerning to the people around them. Um, uh, the anger is typically what, sadly, it's counteractive, right? So the thing these people fear most is being abandoned, but over time, the anger, the explosive anger that they show when somebody is, uh, needing space or when somebody's really not doing anything wrong, because a lot of times they read into things that they perceive as being a slight to them or being somebody intending to harm them that actually isn't happening they'll exaggerate it um, and they'll explode. They'll react in this heightened manner that is just exhausting for their partners. Oftentimes their partners will uh, try to make them happy at first and really allow themselves to be a punching bag, thinking that they can somehow solve this problem, that uh, somehow they can make this better. And eventually it just overwhelms them. Histrionic personality disorder is very Before we move on. Okay. um, Are you familiar with the term emotional reactivity? I am. What is that? So emotional reactivity is very common in the diagnosis. So essentially, uh, like I said, there's very depressed, then they can look very elated, but these changes are happening within a matter of hours. Somebody with bipolar disorder, these are, this is a clinical depression lasting days, weeks, a clinical mania where sometimes they even need to be hospitalized because they're so grandiose. They clear out their bank account and go to Vegas and spend it all. They're acting in some very bizarre ways. With uh, borderline personality disorder, you're having these fluctuating moods constantly. And again, this hypersensitivity to being slighted or feeling offended, really driven by the fear that if you're offended or slighted, if the therapist comes in two minutes late, or if somebody shows up to dinner two minutes late, that they might be abandoning you. And it's not as if the borderline is considering themselves abandoned in that moment, but they just 
know that they have this overwhelming emotion and there are no attempts to control that emotion. There's no, there are no attempts to regulate it. So if they're in the middle of the restaurant and they feel offended, they're going to start the fight. Well, I mean, she did, you know, cry hysterically, telling, screaming to Johnny not to leave her in front of a security guard. There was that testimony from the security guard, the head of security. So it's not too far-fetched. I'm going to cut this video off for right now because I don't want to, you know, it's 40 minutes into it. I don't, you know, it's a little long. I have other things I got to take care of, other videos I want to do. But um, it, this is something that is uh, really... It's crazy, man. I, that's all I can say. It's you kind of feel bad for her at the same time, but it's like she's had so many opportunities to get help, and she knows she knows what she's doing. She is not somebody who's you know completely oblivious. <laughs> Scary she could be, but at the same time, I believe everybody has a conscience. Conscience is basically um, in in Greek. It, it means to be born with knowledge. You have the knowledge of right and wrong. And you know what you're doing. I don't care. You you know what you're doing. She knows what she's doing. She knows she's hurting people. She knows she's hurt Johnny. She knows she what she did was wrong. And um, she's going to take a big fall. She's going to take a huge fall for this. But um, all right, let me, I'll go a little bit further because it's like, you know, two minutes in. Let me go a little bit further into this. Let's try it. Let's a little bit further into this. Uh, people are going to see it or they might just start crying or break down, but they'll make a lot of accusations. And that reactivity is when you're going to just, you're going to see a lot of this escalation and the bizarre behavior. They can react violently. They can react aggressively. They will often physically prevent their partner from trying to leave if their partner wants to get space from all of this intense emotion. And oftentimes they will uh, be abusive to their partners in these situations. Sometimes they'll physically restrain them from leaving and become injured that way, but also People with borderline personality disorder, it seems to be a predictive factor for women who implement violence against their partner. And one of the most common tactics that they'll use is actually physically assaulting and then getting harmed themselves. But mostly um, we call this administrative violence. So essentially this is saying that they'll make threats using the legal system. So um they might say that they are going to file a restraining order or claim abuse, or they might do these things to essentially try to keep their partner from leaving. In the moment, again, they're not consciously thinking, I'm going to keep my partner from leaving right now. They're just thinking, I can't stand this. I hate my partner. They went from idealizing to suddenly devaluing because of the hurt, and they'll do anything to express that big emotion of anger. Your Honor, may we approach? All right. Yes, sir. Want to know how to create awesome videos? Check out motionarray.com. You can do it, too. Titles, easy. Intros, easy. Kittens, bridges, bitch. she was going through and all these different personality disorders 
And is this meant to show that it was actually Amber Heard who abused Johnny Depp uh, and and really behaved in in sort of a violent manner? Yeah. So it's basically explaining like why she behaved that way and why and, and the reasons why that she would react that way. And if he did something in in her history of being feeling neglected and abandoned and how all that played into when he did try to go away to have peace that she would attack him or you know hey big in the state so now testimony is resuming with the psychologist let's go back live into court Cohen connell's am i getting the name right I- yeah i mean it makes sense he tries to go into a bathroom to hide he tries to drive away she gets in front of the vehicle i mean I think there was also a point where, like, he was sick, and I think she refused to let him have his medication. I think there was a point, this was this was years ago when this stuff was fresh, and the allegations were coming out that he was sick, and she wasn't going to give him his medication. I think that's true. It, it, there's a lot. This, there was so much. I had to look that up. So much. I feel like for some reason in my mind, I might have just reversed it. Um, but Dr. Cohen's records, I did reverse it. Uh, he actually refers to this reactivity quite a bit and to Ms. Hurd's temper. And that that temper is often branded or being hot-headed is really characteristic of borderline personality disorder, um, as is their ch- very charming, personable nature. It's, it's, this is a disorder of contradictions. Uh, in Nurse Filotti's notes, um, she had, I thought there was something interesting. She references a night when they're out to dinner, I believe in London, and she provided positive reinforcement to Ms. Hurd because Ms. Hurd had been uh, disappointed by a mistake made by the server, and it sort of references how previously she might have criticized the server and become upset by that, um, and that she didn't this time, and so that that had been some sort of a, a step forward. Uh, and uh, there was also an indication actually in Dr. Hughes's, uh, Dr. Hughes is a forensic psychologist who had been appointed by Ms. Hurd to conduct as an evaluation as well. In Ms. Hughes's interview of Ms. Hurd, Ms. Hurd disclosed that she had cut her arm in the past, which is a typical reactive type thing, somebody with this diagnosis can do it's one of the symptoms um and that's sort of all i can think of top of my mind from the treatment records moving into um some of the declarations um or deposition testimony what struck me was ms raquel pennington's testimony um she's a former friend of ms hurd's and she indicated she told a story about i suppose they were shopping for thanksgiving accoutrements something to prepare for thanksgiving and Ms. Hurt struck her in the face, sort of out of the blue, um, which is I, I thought was interesting because that is one of those signs of borderline personality disorder where if a, if a friend or a loved one isn't meeting your needs in that moment, um, borderline, people with borderline personality disorder can be very caring in their relationships. As long as their needs are being met, they feel that their needs should be met when they want them met um, at a specific level. And if they're not, then that 
anger, that sense of harm causes them to react. So the striking Ms. Pennington per Ms. Pennington's report in the declaration or the testimony I thought was pretty consistent. And then uh, Ms. Hurd's own self so Okay, we're going to, um, I'm going to ask you a question about, sure. um, you indicated Miss Pennington. All right, so I'll just cut it for right now. That's what I'll do because I'm getting some problems here, but, uh, Pennington uh, was a former friend. Of yes. Just going to cut it here. Having too many problems and difficulties. But uh, tell me what you think in the comments. What do you think? Do you think Amber Heard is done? Um, do you know people with historic personality disorder? Let me know in the comments. Do you know? Have you known people in, in life that have had the same type of mental problems as Amber Heard? Um, have you dealt with a woman? like Amber heard. Let me know in the comments and how does that how did that play out? Like, share, comment, and subscribe later.